This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me is the guy who spent the last 72 hours tearing his goalies, Brian Calm. Hello, everybody. Hello, Elon. I don't know if that's an understatement or an overstatement. I've been thinking about this regularly now for at least a month, but intensely, in, including a very detailed spreadsheet for the last 72 hours for sure. Elon, before we get to the show, let me, I, I need to stand up to do this just to show what I've got on a, Hey, sweet yeah, digs. We've got some, uh, some pretty cool threads happening on the show this week, courtesy of uh, one of our patrons, Ryan, sent them over. Yeah, Puck Tees is his site. You could get cool shirts like this, uh, World Cup themed. I really like them. Check it out, Puck Tees. The World Cup has been fun, but this is legitimately the most exciting part of the World Cup for me to this point. I've looked more at the players on my t-shirt than I have cut coverage of the World Cup so far. But, you know, maybe once the actual tournament starts, they stop playing all these meaningless exhibition games, that'll change. Thank you, Ryan, for sending those shirts. And now I want to say, this is not just a regular episode of Keeping Carlson. This is Schmore Goaliesborg 2016, third annual Schmore Goaliesborg. I actually spent the weekend listening to the last year Schmore Goaliesborg to get caught up on where we were last year and two years ago. And I'm very excited for this episode. It's not a typical episode. We're not going to be going super deep into like all the players that we discussed because we're going to be talking about every single goalie in the NHL pretty much for next season and how we think they rank, how we think you should tier them. We'll get to all that in just a minute. But first, let me mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com, the best fantasy hockey website out there. If you haven't done your draft yet, it is not too late to get the Dauber Hockey Guide. It has all the information you need to help you when you're drafting. You've got all of his projections. You could even get the combo of the guide and fantasy hockey geek which will help you decide player values based specifically on your league's categories it's great check it out dauberhockey.com dauberhockey.com has a lot and you know what dauberhockey does also elon dauberhockey is actually i i gotta confess it's one of the places where i first got the idea to start tiering my players to prepare for my fantasy drafts and one big part of that is tiering goalies for me that's actually the most fun to tier because there really are, you know, there's a finite amount of goalies available and tiering them precisely is a really important key to succeeding in your draft. So we're going to go into our goalie tiers on this episode. Elon, first, why do we even tier? Okay, 
So it's like what and why, right? So when we say tiering goalies, I mean, we're going to be splitting goalies into, I guess, just groups like tier one, tier two. And we're saying all the goalies in the particular tier, we're considering their value pretty much equal. And the reason why we want to do that and get these different groups is when you're drafting, and this doesn't matter if it's an auction draft or a snake draft, you've got to kind of keep track of in the tier that there's still goalies remaining, how many goalies are there remaining? So for example, let's say you have eight goalies in your second tier. All the tier one guys are gone. You have eight goalies in your second tier. It's time for your pick. Do you need to pick a goalie right now? Maybe not. You're probably going to have one of those tier two goalies left for your next pick. And if you assume all these guys are pretty much equal, might as well wait, get a higher ranked forward. But on the other hand, if you're down to just like one or two goalies in your highest tier, then you kind of really got to grab a goalie because that means that if you don't take that goalie now, then your next pick, you're going to get someone in a whole other tier. And that means they have a whole different value for you. So it's very important. You really need to do this for all positions, but goalie, especially because goalie is so important in fantasy hockey, usually leagues like the Cupful, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantrax League, We've got eight categories. Three of them are goalies. If you don't have good goalies, it's going to be very hard for you to win your matchups. So that's what we're going to talk about today. All of our goalie tiers. Brian, I know you've made yours. I've made mine. Yours are definitely more well-researched, but I'll still have fun comparing and telling you where I disagree. But why don't you go ahead and explain how you went about tiering your goalies? Sure. So for this edition of S'more Goalies Board, and every year, you know, I try and add a little something new into it, and I'll get to that. But the basics are there's three main considerations when I'm making my tiers. The first one is a goalie's role. So are they a straight up number one? Are they sharing time as a number one, but maybe a 1A guy? Are they a 1B guy? Or are they a number two, a number two who has room to challenge? There's a lot of things that go in, but role and room for potential in that role. So room to challenge is also a consideration. That's the first one. Okay. Well, yeah, it's very important. If you draft a goalie, especially your top goalie, you want to be able to trust that he's going to play a lot of games and help you in your matchups. There's no point having Brian Elliott last year, back when Jake Allen was getting all of the starts. It was like, great, Jake Allen is doing everything, and Brian Elliott's just sitting on my bench. So yeah, you want to have a goalie that you're going to be confident has a strong role on his team, for sure. What's number two? The second one is team strength. As we talked about on the bonus episode with Nick Mercadante just a few days ago, a team has a huge impact on their goalie. So a goalie who plays for the best team in the league and gets traded to the worst team in the league, they might be the same goalie, but their numbers are going to change significantly. And that's because, you know, goalies don't score goals. They can't get the win all by themselves. Even if they have a stellar night, it's not entirely up to them night in, night out. So what the guys in front of them are doing both offensively and defensively are important things to consider. Yeah, definitely. And pretty much every fantasy league has wins as a category. So even if you have like the best goalie that's going to help you in save percentage, if their team sucks, they're not going to get you many wins. So yeah, you want to have a goalie that's on a good team. That's the best, right? If you can have a good goalie on a good team. And I guess that gets to your third consideration, right? How good is this goalie in the first place? Yeah, so we've got role, we've got team strength, and I rounded out with talent. And that's something, you know, a lot of us have different ways to measure how good a goalie is. The ways that I have chosen to measure my goalies the most this year, even strength save percentage and Mercad per 60 minutes, which for those who might not have gotten a chance yet to listen to the last episode, is essentially a way of determining how a goalie fares compared to the average goalie, depending on the shot location. So what it does is it takes shot location, or if you want to call it shot quality into effect, decides how much of those shots a goalie should have stopped and then measures whether a certain goalie stopped more than he should have or less than he should have. So a good Mercad per 60 minutes 
indicates a goalie who would outperform most of his peers who were in that net facing the exact same shots. Okay, so we've got our three sort of considerations now. Team strength, talent, and role on the team. I think, Brian, it's time for you to define how are you going to define the top tier? Like, who are the best goalies? But before we get to who are the best goalies, what would you consider to be a goalie in the top tier? What do they need to do in these three dimensions? So they need to be number one. In fact, our first three tiers straight up, number one goalies. If you're not a number one, if you're not a guaranteed number one, I'm sorry, there's no room for you in the top three tiers. So tier one, you got to be a number one goalie. The second part is that you have to either be really awesome yourself or be on an awesome team. And whichever one you're awesome at, the other one needs to be above average too. So I hope I'm articulating this well enough. It's like number one starter and somebody who is one part awesome and other part above average when looking at my two other considerations of team strength and talent. Okay, so you basically need to be Awesome at all three of your dimensions. One of them you're allowed to just be above average. All right, give it to us, Brian. Who is in the top tier of goalies for this season? We have a message in the chat here. Matthew is saying that Brian will probably have Mason in tier one. I wouldn't be surprised. Brian loves Steve Mason. Is he there, Brian? He's not there, but I'm pretty sure I still have him higher than you. We'll, we'll have to see when the time comes. My number one guy in my number one tier, and usually I don't say that. It's usually just the first tier because that's the whole point of tiering. But I almost considered creating an entire tier for Braden Holtby Mm -hmm. this year. He is the guy that stands head and shoulders above the rest. And it's not necessarily because he's a lights out save percentage guy. If you look at his three year even strength save percentage, he's actually in the eight to 10 range. But the thing is that he's the only guy in that eight to 10 range without another issue to worry about. So he's proven his mettle over the course of the last three years consistently And he's not getting too old. His team isn't declining. He doesn't have a significant part on the defense in front of him leaving this year. And, you know, so he has none of that negative stuff. And then he has an amazing, an amazing and a well-coached team in front of him, which I can't say necessarily is the case for any of the next three guys. So that's why Braden Holtby as the guy who has the highest even strength save percentage over the last several years without any major issues on the horizon is the one who stands alone above the rest in tier one, but it still is in tier one. It's worth pointing out. Okay. So Brayden Holtby, for sure. Everyone knows he's an elite fantasy hockey goalie option. You're saying the best option. We're putting him in tier one. And you know, you say he's not among the very top in even strength save percentage. By the way, we should probably mention you're talking about even strength save percentage, even though most leagues don't have that as a stat or a category. It's usually just regular save percentage. But I know you use even strength save percentage because that's more predictive of how a goalie will do next year. Maybe you could get more into that in a little bit. But just looking at regular save percentage, Holtby had a 922 last year. So definitely well above average if we consider an average save percentage around like 915 or 916 so maybe he wasn't like the top in save percentage but he was definitely very high and then like you said such a great team 48 wins last year I don't know if he'll get 48 again but definitely should be well above 40 yeah it's a great situation like who is even the backup in Washington does anyone know it's uh <laughs> Rubau no it's not him I don't even know who is it Grubauer it's, it's Grubauer, Grubauer. I knew it that was Grubauer Justin Peters heading into camp last year a little bit yeah. there for you Yeah, we'll see where we uh, tier Grubauer on this list. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so hope he's amazing. You decided not to put him in a tier on his own, so let's talk about who else. We don't need to say anymore. Like, if you could get Holpe, you're set. Who else is in tier one? The other two goalies in tier one are Ben Bishop and Carey Price. 
That's it. I have three goalies in tier one. You'll notice some names missing that have been tier one main season. We'll get to them in the later tiers. But for now, Holtby Bishop Price makes up my top tier. As for Bishop, you know, he's a top 10 guy last year and even strength save percentage. Uh, but he's also the same as Braden Holtby above in that, you know, he's got a very good team in front of him. It's pretty well coached. There's no significant departures in Tampa that will hurt him. Uh, he's just a little lower in even strength save percentage over the last few years than Holtby was. And that's why I made that division between the two. And then Carey Price, I mean, far and away, he is the three-year even strength save percentage leader by four points, by four save percentage points. That's like a 938 to a 934. And just for some context, the next biggest difference in like the top 50 goalies, probably and beyond, is less than two points. And most goalies are separated by about a half a point. Carey Price has separated himself from the top of the pack by eight times that much. And that is why he's all the way up there. Unfortunately, Montreal is coached by Michelle Therrien and has some suspect roster issues that I expect them to be dealing with. There's also that injury still hovering over us. I'm over it. I don't know if the rest of your poolies are, though. So maybe you'll be able to snag him a little later than usual because others are worried about it. I'm personally not, which is why he still gets to tier one based on his incredible superhuman even strength performance over the last three years. Okay, so very interesting. It's interesting who you have in there. It's also interesting who you don't have in there. So first of all, who you do have in there, Ben Bishop is interesting. You know, his situation, we talked about this last year on Borg. How good is it? Because everyone knows that Vasilevsky is a strong prospect in hockey. I don't even know if you could call him a prospect anymore. A lot of people think he's going to take over the Tampa net, and especially with expansion coming up, people are wondering if Bishop is even going to remain with the team all throughout the season or if they're going to trade him. I'm just wondering what you think about him in terms of his role on the team. Obviously, he's the number one going in, but do you think it's as strong as Holtby? I I would say it's not as strong as Holtby, right? I wouldn't say it's quite as strong as Holtby. If one of those three guys is going to somehow lose their starting job this season, it'll be Bishop, except I don't think it's going to come down to that. Maybe he's a guy at the trade deadline if he's been, you know, so-so through the first chunk of the season and Vasilevsky has impressed in the time that he's shown up. In that case, maybe he gets moved somewhere else and his value likely goes down because there aren't a ton of teams as good as Tampa. But the thing with Vasilevsky is he didn't get in a lot of games last year at all. And he wasn't overly impressive in those games either. Of course, there was, you know, he had a few flashes of brilliance in the playoffs when Bishop was down due to injury. And that would be another slight concern about Bishop was that he played through a pretty rough injury for you know, the last few weeks of that playoff run that he was a part of. And that would be my sort of concern with him, except I haven't heard anything else about it at this point, And I'm trying to put it behind me. But I would probably say the thing is that Tampa is so good or so much better than Montreal, in my opinion, that I can't necessarily put him below price in that top tier just because price is so much better I feel like all those factors sort of even out to make them about equally desirable options okay yeah Ben Bishop by the way 926 save percentage last year I know you were referencing the last three years even strength save percentage and saying Holtby was a bit higher but if we just look at regular save percentage last year Bishop actually had the edge though of course Carey Price blew them both out of the water So Elon, how are we doing? Those are my three top tier guys. How many did you have in your top tier? So I had one more guy there and I'll admit 
it was tough to decide if you should go in tier one or tier two. And I know that you disagree with me. I remember listening, by the way, to Schmorgoliesborg last year. I just listened to it today. And at one point in the episode, we were talking about like our fourth tiers or something. And I put a guy in my third tier and you scoffed at me so much. I said, I think Martin Jones would be a really great second goalie on your team. And you were like, really? really martin jones the guy who only had a 908 save percentage the year before and then i was like well you know he was pretty good on la except for maybe not that year but the year before he was good and now he was being taken as san jose's number one and you know what martin jones came into san jose and defied maybe a lot of people's expectations definitely defied your expectations he owned that number one job took the team all the way to the stanley cup finals he only had a 918 save percentage which i'm sure you're going to bring up as a reason why maybe you didn't put him in your top tier he doesn't have that same over 920 that the other three guys have but 37 wins on the year which put him third in the league. And I don't know, I guess maybe I'm also biased a little bit by San Jose going to the cup finals, which is maybe dumb. So tell me why you don't have Martin Jones in your top tier. Okay, so initially, you know what, before like six hours ago, I did. I was ready to be like, okay, Martin Jones, top tier. I can put him with Bishop, say, as somebody who's a pretty good goalie and is on a very good team that will definitely make up for that uh, for any trouble he'll give you in his own personal numbers like save percentage but then I took a closer look at exactly what Martin Jones did last year and it wasn't very good he was ranked 22nd in the league in even strength save percentage amongst starters and if we remember like he was up and down Elon I remember when you told me about Smorgoli's board last year and how I wasn't as high on him as you were and as you should have been yeah as you think I should have been I remember it was an ongoing debate over the start of the season because he started off hot and then he was cold and then he was hot. And that inconsistency ended up being that he didn't have two solid months, which is essentially two solid 10 game stretches consecutively till February. So if you're looking for somebody that you think has really proven his mettle as an NHL starter, I don't know that Martin Jones is that guy. Now San Jose is going to be able to mask a lot of things that might be wrong with Martin Jones's game. They're going to be one of the better teams in the NHL this year in my own projections, but we're making decisions here off of 35 games from January to March, say where he was lights out like mid nine twenties, all situation save percentage, which is fantastic. But to me, that's not enough in my books to be up there in the top tier with somebody who has a very good even strength save percentage and plays for a very good team. He's only got half of that. Okay, I think that's fair. And now that I look at some of the guys that I have in my tier two, I would say Jones probably belongs with them more than he belongs with guys like Holtby, Price, and I guess Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop, I don't know. I'm not sure about Ben Bishop. Like, I know he did so well. Uh, It's hard, but okay, we've got to sort of move on from our top tier. I'm sure that, like, Bishop had an amazing year last year. Tampa's a great team. I, I, you're probably right that Bishop's going to get most of the starts. I'm just concerned about him like getting traded halfway through. So hopefully he'd be traded to a team that's a contender, like maybe to Dallas or something. Maybe that could be just as good for him. But okay, so there's our top tiers. And there's one name so conspicuously absent, right? Because in last two Schmorgoliesborg, there was a guy that we both had there. And it was like not even a question. It was like, for sure, this guy's in the top tier. This year, we didn't have him. Henrik Lundqvist. I feel like we have to address him right now. Why is he outside of your top tier for the first time, probably in like 10 years of fantasy hockey, if people have been playing that long, that Henrik Lundqvist isn't in the top tier of goalies to draft next year? Well, I'm going to tell you straight up, it wasn't necessarily based on last year's performance. He was fantastic. He had a 920 save percentage, which was his, I'm trying to count now, seventh or eighth consecutive year 
putting up a 920 or higher. Like in that spin, he hasn't gone lower than 920, which is just an incredible achievement, especially at his age. And he ranked very high. He was third in the league in even strength save percentage amongst starting goalies, only behind two guys who didn't play as much as him and was first in Mercad per 60. So a lot of really good things to like about Lungvis, except his age. He's getting older. And one thing that I feel like we found from him over the last several years is that there are more and more stretches of inconsistency from Lundqvist. If you go month by month save percentage, so spans of about 10 games, here's how it looks last year. 943 to start the season, then a 929, then an 892, then 922 and 934, two good months, and then back down to a 906 and an 895 in four games in April to end the season. And those will hurt you in a head-to-head league. If you're in Roto, maybe you can take that hit. But if you're in a head-to-head league, those lulls that he's starting to get into are going to hurt you pretty hard, especially if you're in like a really heated matchup. And towards the end of the year was a point where Lundqvist fell off. So it's not that his numbers were bad. It's just that they weren't as consistent as we've come to expect from him. And I don't expect he's going to be any more consistent in the years to come. He still has a difficult Rangers decor to contend with. And there's just that aging curve as well to keep in mind. So for those reasons, I feel very badly about this. I truly (laughs) do, especially because last year, again, by all statistical measures, incredible season from Henrik Lundqvist. But from a fantasy perspective, he's just not as reliable week in, week out as he used to be. Okay, well, and also, even if we wanted to say he still is an amazing goalie, which I'm sure he is, like you say, there are some red flags with the age and maybe slight inconsistencies. But also, we define the top tier as being a goalie in the number one role. Okay, check for Henrik Lundqvist for sure. A great goalie. Okay, check. Let's give him that. But we also said you have to have at least an above average team. I'm not sure. Are the Rangers an above average team at this point? Like, how many wins is he going to get? Like, last year, he was still able to pick up 35 wins, which is good. Like, that was around seven. He actually tied for fourth with like four other goalies for wins with 35, actually with five other goalies. So a lot of goalies were there. So, but this year, I don't know. Now they've lost a defense in Yandel. We've already talked a lot about what's been going on on the Rangers. Just when you look at their depth chart, to me, it just looks a little thin, especially on defense, which means he's really going to have to stand on his head. And I just don't know if I would consider the Rangers a good enough team for next season to put Lundqvist in my top tier. So that's the main reason why I'm putting him in my tier two. At the top of my tier two, but I would definitely consider him the next year right along with Martin Jones. I agree, Elon. It's going to be an uphill climb. Maybe that's a little dramatic, but that's just my gut feeling for him to get to those 35 wins again. And my dream for Henrik Lundqvist this year is that they use Antti Ranta as a regular backup for him so that he gets rest during these periods and he can just use those rest periods to regenerate and get better and come in and be strong again. Okay, so, you know, it's hard. We're going to have a bunch of tiers here. We got to make a cutoff. So, okay, now we've got our top tier. We're into our second tier. So in our second tier, now we're saying all these guys we consider to be pretty much in the same group so far. I had Jones, I think, in my top tier, but I think I'm going to move him to my second tier as well. So we both have Jones and Lundqvist in our second tiers. Who else rounds out tier two for you? All right, I'll tell you, I have four more guys in tier two. So there's six in all in my second tier. Uh, And I'll go through them quickly. We have Roberto Luongo, who is higher ranked last year in even strength save percentage than he is in Mercad per 60. And that's actually the case both last year and over the last three years, which makes me wonder, and I'm not sure if I'm reading this 100% right, 
But the inference that I'm making from it is that a decrease in the quality of defense he's seeing in front of him is going to be more reflected in his save percentage if he's performing not as well relatively uh, based on the shot locations that he's getting. I'm not sure if I'm making sense here, but what I'm trying to say is that I feel like he's susceptible to a breakdown in defense ahead of him. And I've gone, I think I've mentioned at least weekly that the Panthers have lost to Brian Campbell, who was a really great presence on that back end. The rest of the team's still growing and can step up. They've added Yandel, they've added Demare. So those are both positive things. Maybe that'll help steady. But Luongo is also battling age. You wouldn't believe how old the guy is. Like we talked about it last episode on the bonus show. He is going to be like 38. I don't have it in front of me next season. So that's another reason to be concerned. So you've got Luongo in that tier. You've also got Corey Crawford in the second tier, who is, I think, underappreciated. I always had him in my mind as somebody who got to be like the Chris Osgood of the Chicago Blackhawks Cup runs. He was just the beneficiary of a great team in front of him. But his Mercad per 60 indicates that he's not just a pedestrian average goalie. He's ranked fourth in Mercad per 60 over the last three years and seventh in even strength save percentage over the last three years. He had a solid year last season. He's contending with a bit of a thinning out team in front of him. And the Blackhawks continue to rely on Brent Seabrook, which is really going to catch up with them someday. That's why Crawford is in tier two as a goalie who has been very good over the last few years, but I'm not sure exactly how well Chicago does, if they're going to do well enough for me to justify bumping him into that top tier. My last two guys in my second tier, Corey Schneider, who's a top 10 goalie, top five in Mercad per 60, and he's better than every other guy in his tier, in even strength savers and including in the top tier, but he is on a significantly worse team than a lot of them. So his individual talent for me, makes up that difference. So you can draft him, expect great save percentage, and hope that New Jersey can rattle off some wins over the course of the season. And finally, the last guy, Jonathan Quick, who's like the inverse of Corey Schneider. He's not a top 10 guy in any way. He was 17th among starters in five on five save percentage in the last three years. But he plays for a team that knows how to play a very effective defensive system in L.A., And that's enough for me to regard him a little bit higher than the rest of the goalies that are to come in tier three. Okay, so why don't you just recap now? So who did you have in your tier two? You had, or I have it here, Jones, Luongo, Lundqvist, Crawford, Schneider, and Quick. Not necessarily in that order, but those are your tier two guys. Okay, I got a lot of comments here, Brian. Bring them on. Okay, so first of all, let's talk about who you do have there. I have a thought about Roberto Luongo. So maybe before we get into it, how exactly did you define this tier two? So tier two was number one goalies with two parts above average between team strength and talent. Okay, so maybe this is my problem every year. And I know I got burned a little bit by this last year when I was concerned about Scott Darling stealing starts from Corey Crawford. And that didn't end up happening. I was wrong about that. And I feel especially bad because I ended up drafting Corey Crawford as my second goalie in the cuckupful. And I fear that maybe it was because of me being concerned about him on the podcast that people didn't draft him. I was able to get him so low. And then he ended up helping me a lot, got me to the finals. So I'm sorry about that. 
I promise it wasn't like a con or anything, but I'm a little bit concerned about Roberto Luongo there. I'm not sure if he's the for sure a hundred percent like number one who's gonna get a high number of games. Like I'm sure he's gonna still get more games than James Reimer, but Reimer was really good on the Leafs when he was healthy. And also Luongo has his injury issues himself. And also Luongo, like you say, is getting older. I just feel like I don't know how many games I could trust him for if I was going to have him as my number one goalie, especially in tier two, and we're comparing him to all these other guys, like putting him in the same tier as Lungfist, ah, I don't know. I just worry that maybe he's not as entrenched as a number one as the other guys you mentioned. Fair enough. And nobody's been a bigger backer of James Reimer over the last little while than I have been. And interestingly enough, he led all goalies last year in even strength save percentage. Not so in Mercad per 60, although he still was like six. So that's pretty good. Uh, He also played only 40 games. So it might be a small sample. Like if you look over the last three years, he's somewhere in the uh, 20s in even strength save percentage, lower in Mercad per 60. So, you know, I, I believe in James Reimer, but at the same time, I don't know that he can steal more than say 30 games away from Luongo this year. Although I think the Panthers have a very brightly managed team right now. And I feel like there's definitely conversations about the best way to use James Reimer to spell Roberto Luongo so that he is as good in all his starts as he can be. And he doesn't fall off as sharply and awfully as he did at the end of last season. Okay. So yeah, for me, I'm, I have Luongo in my tier three and obviously I'm being affected by what you're saying here. So it doesn't matter what I say, but I'll just tell you, I also had two guys in my tier two that you don't have there. And I'm curious to know why you don't have them there. So I guess we're sort of going to be blending tiers two and three. I had Devin Dubnik in the list. I see him as a guy on an above average team and he's an above average goalie. So I feel that sort of fits your definition. He's an entrenched number one. No way Darcy Kemper, assuming he's still on the team, I think he is. No way Darcy Kemper steals a lot of starts from Dubnik. And also I feel like, yeah, he's a great goalie. Maybe not like one of the top, not like two years ago when he sort of ran away with being the top goalie for the second half of the season. But he's definitely above average. Like last season, he ended up with a 918 save percentage. Okay. A little bit above average, maybe. And also, I think Minnesota is a decent team. And maybe some of their players are aging, but I still think they're a playoff team. So that's why I had Devin Dubnik there. That's fair. I think last year, the lesson we learned about Devin Dubnik was that he's not a 929 goalie. Remember two years ago when he showed up with Minnesota and was incredible, unbeatable when he was acquired by them and getting to start every game and a really great relief from the inconsistencies that Nicholas Backstrom and Darcy Kemper had offered in net prior to him. And a lot of people were like, ah, this is the arrival of Devin Dubnik. He's going to be a 925 or higher goalie for the rest of his career. And well, it, it wasn't true. And I still think that the effects of that are still in play when people might be ranking their goalie tiers. I mean, he was very good last year. He was a top 10 goalie in even strength state percentage over the last three years in large part on the strength of those huge games in Minnesota where he was a brick wall. Uh, He's a top 15 guy, but his Mercad per 60 is a little bit lower, which suggests that there are several other goalies in the league who might have been able to stop more of the shots that he faced. So, I mean, I want to agree with you. I want to give you Devin Dubnik, but I think he's a lot more similar to my other tier three guys than he is my tier two guys. Right. And that's fair. And at the end of the day, we need to split these guys up in a reasonable way so that we can decide for our drafting strategy. And you're going to sort of also at the end of the day, you have to sort of go with your gut a little bit and have to feel like who are you more comfortable with? And you're saying you like Dubnik more along your tier three guys. 
That's fair. The other guy who I put in tier two, which I know you're going to scoff a little bit, but I just, I have a feeling. And so bear with me. And a lot of people, by the way, in the chat room have been guessing people that they think are going to be in your tier two. And so maybe they're surprised that Pekarine wasn't there. I'm seeing some people guessed him. I saw a guess for Talbot. I see a guess for Tuka Rask. You didn't have any of those guys. And that's actually not, none of those guys are the ones that I'm thinking of that I put into my tier two. So maybe this is a bit of a shocker. Maybe you'll tell me I'm dumb. But I think I have Jake Allen in there. He is now the number one goalie on St. Louis. No more Brian Elliott to worry about. Like, he's going to get a ton of starts. I think St. Louis is an amazing team. Like, they're more than an above average team. I would consider them one of the top teams in the league. So now we've got entrenched number one on an awesome team. And he's not a bad goalie. Like, last year, he had a 920 save percentage. Maybe you could go more into, like, the even strength and the Mercad per 60. But I guess I'll need you to convince me why Jake Allen doesn't belong there at this point. Yeah, so his raw save percentage definitely put him in a better position than his other numbers did. If you look at his adjusted goals saved above average, which is the same as Mercad per 60, by the way, of just Mercad per 60 is easier to say and credits the creator, only to be fair. And his even strength save percentage rank, they show him to be like a very middle of the road goalie. And he's been blessed with really great protection in St. Louis, and he hasn't been able to take advantage of it. I think two years ago was his chance to get out ahead of Brian Elliott. I feel like they wanted him to take the reins and he couldn't. And I don't think Brian Elliott is a very incredible goalie. And the fact that Jake Allen has not over two seasons been able to take the reins from him speaks to what I imagine his talent to be. I think he's going to benefit still from the Ken Hitchcock defended St. Louis blues decor. And he's still going to get wins thanks to a very strong offense in St. Louis but I don't think he himself personally necessarily has the talent required for me to get to tier two. But Elon, both the guys you mentioned, Dubnik and Allen, are in my tier three. All right, so then let's go to that then. Let's get into your tier three. We already know that Dubnik and Allen are there. How about these other guys that I mentioned that the patrons were guessing? Do they get into the list as well? And I'm sorry, I said the patrons. I mean the people in the chat room, many of whom are patrons of Keeping Carlson. Yeah, so I'm seeing a lot of names in the chat matching my tier three. I'm hoping I'm not angering anybody too much. Pecorine is in there just by virtue of being on a great team. He's not a great goalie, but the National Predators will do very good things for him. Tuka Rask, he's a guy who we wanted to be an above 925 save percentage guy last year, and he totally conked out. And Elon, you might have some thoughts to share on just how badly he conked out. As I talked about with Nick on the bonus episode, he's been dealing with some injuries and he's getting towards 30, which might also be having an impact. I think the days of Tuka Rask as a 925 goalie are behind us. I mean, he was a top three, top five at worst goalie for the greater part of his career. But now I'm wondering if we start to see that sunset, especially with what's happening in front of him in Boston with the front office making a series of questionable decisions. Although keeping Claude Julian was not one of them. That was a good move. And hopefully that is going to help Rask a little bit be Hopefully a 920 goalie, but I don't know how well the Bruins will perform. And that's why he's in tier three as opposed to tier two. And few people are as big Tuka Rask fanboys as I am. So for me to put him in tier three, it took a lot. Elon, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. I know you're very upset with him from his last season, but do you think overall it's fair to push him down just based on that to tier three instead of tier two? I do not think it's unfair, especially based on your definition, which was a goalie that is the entrenched number one. Definitely he has that, but he has to be on an above average team and be an above average goalie. I'm not sure 
how above average Boston is as a team. Like he only had 31 wins last year, even though he played all of those games that put him like below the top 10 in goalie wins for the year. Like that was as many wins as Craig Anderson had. And Craig Anderson was on the Ottawa Senators who weren't a playoff threat at all. Anderson played 60 games and had 31 wins. Tuka Rask, 64 games, also 31 wins. Also, sad to say, and yeah, he's been great for so long. Like people are saying in the chat room, how Tuka Rask is one of the top goalies over the past three years. Yeah, that's true. Three years ago, he had a 930 save percentage. Two years ago, he had a 922 save percentage. Last year, 915. Okay, so that's like basically below league average. So probably he's not as bad as that 915 save percentage indicates, but I don't think he's going to go back to the 922 that he was two years ago. Like he's still a decent goalie to have. And maybe you could get him so low in your draft. Like maybe his performance last year will drop him so low that he ends up becoming a good draft steal because he still is an entrenched number one goalie who could give you a stretch of a few good games. But I think tier three is definitely the place for him, especially when we look at who we had in tier two. I'm seeing guys like Corey Schneider and Jonathan Quick and Henrik Lundqvist. These are guys who I could really depend on to give me wins or in Schneider's case, an amazing save percentage. I don't feel that way about Tuka Rask where I'm so certain about him. Like I am those other guys to get one of those categories. Yeah, fair enough. I I, I just, you know, I, I'm so reluctant to do it that I need someone else to remind me that it is the okay decision, essentially for Tuka Rask. Again, I'm lowering the ceiling on what I expect from him or what I can hope for from him from like a 924 to a 925 to hopefully a 920 if he shows up really strong this year. I have one other guy in my main tier three, and then I, I kind of cheated here, but I'll, I'll get to that. The other guy, so we have Rene, Rask, Dubnik, and Allen so far in tier three. Number four is John Gibson, who is not as impressive as you might think. I want to put that out there. I know he's got the pedigree. I know he's been a blue chip prospect for a long time. I know he performed quite well last season for the Ducks. But I don't believe that he has shown me enough to convince me that he's an above average goalie in the league yet. Like if he was a late round draft pick with no hype behind him, I might consider him a career number two and that the Ducks are making a big mistake by giving him this number one job. But essentially he's where he is because of the star power attached to his name. He was 12 last year in raw save percentage in all situations, but he was heavily buoyed by a very high shorthanded save percentage, which is something that has been shown to not necessarily be repeatable from year to year. So he's not going to be able to count on stopping 93% of the shots while his team is on the penalty kill. He was second only last year to Robin Lehner. And that gives you an idea that just about anybody can finish at the top of this category in a given year, although Robin Lehner played several fewer minutes. Similar minute comparables, Yaroslav Halak had a decent penalty kill save percentage. Uh, Ben Bishop had a good one last year. Brian Elliott also had a good year on the strength of his penalty kill save percentage. The point I'm making is that I'm just not sure that Gibson will have that magic in shorthanded situations. Again, that remains to be seen. And if you look at his just one year totals at even strength, so take away all that advantage he got there, he falls all the way to 26th amongst starters in even strength save percentage, which is not very good. 23rd in Mercad 60, so there's no light to be seen there. Gibson is borderline tier four. The reason that he's tier three for me is because he's a guaranteed starter. Guaranteed starter on a good team, right? Anaheim is a definite playoff team, in my opinion. 
I can only say so many times that I have no idea where Randy Carlisle is going to take the Anaheim Ducks. I'm not going to make a huge prediction that they're going to be as good as last year. I think coaching alone is going to make a pretty key difference. So I think he's got a tougher battle ahead of him with Carlisle behind the bench than he would have if Boudreaux had remained there. So yeah, I feel like you're really convincing yourself to take him out of tier three because there's some names in your tier four that I feel like you're going to speak more highly of, but I guess we'll get there in a second. I want to read a couple of things from the chat room here that are interesting. Someone is saying Rene is too high. I saw that just, oh, Simon here saying, I think Rene is too high. That's worth exploring, right? Because you have him in your tier three. If you look at last year's leaders in uh, save percentage, you have to look down for a long time to find Pecorine down with a 908 save percentage. Like I was just hammering Tuka Rask for his 915 and saying it was a slightly below average. Pecorine was just like bad. Like there's no other way to say it. A 908 save percentage, I'm sure he's a great goalie compared to everyone else in the world. But for an NHL goalie, a 908 save percentage doesn't cut it, especially for a starting goalie. I know you're saying that Nashville is a really good team, but I mean, if he keeps playing like this, it, does he have any risk of being usurped by a backup goalie? That is the concern in Nashville. I just think that the team in front of him is good enough to mask any issues he faces as a goalie. I think they're going to keep winning games with Pecorino in net. So why would they make that change? I also don't know that there's a serious contender yet in Marek Mazanik. We'll see how things maybe play out during training camp. But I think I remember him seeing a brief spell of time last year and not totally impressing Elon. If you can look it up, I think there was one other name in Nashville that tried to make a run. Maybe it was Carter Hutton at some point. And I thought Renee was right for the plucking. It never happened in the end. And interestingly, I have Carter Hutton way down our list as somebody who might be able to take on Jake Allen now that he's in St. Louis. But you said you had to look so far down your list last year to find Pecorino and save percentage. It's the same thing over the last three years. Like this was not just a bad year. I said I wasn't impressed with Jake Allen's numbers on the whole. Pecorino ranks one below him in even strength save percentage over the last few years. But even worse, and actually much worse, Pecorine is essentially dead last in Mercad per 60 amongst starters over the last three years. And that means you could put in essentially any other NHL goalie and they would have performed much better than Tuka Rask would have. An average goalie, an average NHL goalie, would have performed quite a bit better than Pecorine has based on shot location in Nashville. So for that reason... I understand why Pecorino might seem high at Tier 3. I just don't see the Preds losing enough games for him to start to be doubted. I think he can hold steady well enough without completely embarrassing himself so that he holds on to the job, especially with no heir apparent. <laughs> okay, but let me ask you this. If you're drafting your team for the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantrax League, the three goalie categories are wins... So yes, we're happy with him there. Or it's actually win goalie points. It's basically wins plus some points for overtime losses. Okay, then there's save percentage, which we don't think he's going to be good in. And then there's save points, which means he has to get a lot of saves, but also not let in a lot of goals. It's like a save minus eight times goals against. Anyways, those are the categories. Would you be happy with Pekka Rene as your number one goalie in the couple? I guess tier three means you probably you're saying that you'd want one guy in the top two tiers. But if you had Pekka Rene on your team, would you be happy with it? You know, I'd be okay with it. Elon, we made some rankings with that safe point stat. I wonder if you can find them quickly enough to reference where he fell in the league last year in that stat. But I think he's going to be okay in wins. And save percentage, here's a strategy tidbit. In a head-to-head league, save percentage week-to-week fluctuates significantly. A really good goalie who puts up a strong season-long save percentage might still have 
a rough week once every two or three weeks. And that puts you at a disadvantage for that week. So Rene, on the flip side of that, can have a really good week one out of every two or every three weeks. And depending on what your opponent's goalies are doing, it's just not such a repeatable thing from week to week. There's a lot of chance involved in save percentage as a category in head-to-head leagues. And that's something that is important to consider when making decisions just based on save percentage. Now, if you're in a roto league, in that case, Rene is going to hurt you a lot harder for a save percentage because that is a season long thing. But on a week to week basis, it's like, you know, what eighth seed teams believe entering in the playoffs, anything can happen. Yeah. Okay. That's funny that you say that. And yeah, it's fair. Plus you could also maybe play him uh, or sit him in the games where he's playing against an especially tough team. There's things you could do to try to control for your save percentage for sure. And you could also not play him if your other opponent has already gotten a bad save percentage. So there's things you can do. I agree. Okay, Brian, choose your own adventure time. You choose what you want to do next. We could either talk about one guy who in the chat room, people are saying they're surprised that he didn't make it into your tier three. Or we could go with me telling you the guys that I had in my tier three, which don't include that guy. Or you can talk about this sort of bonus extra tier that's part of your tier three sort of. Where do you want to go? I would like to hear your guys, but how about I rattle off the rest of my tier three and then we'll, we'll go to you. Is that cool? Okay. Yeah. So you're saying, so what exactly are you doing here? You're saying that you have someone that goalies who are in your tier three, but not as high as these guys. Can't we just call it a different tier then? So these are the goalies that I think are going to win their number one battles. And that would be enough to push them up into tier three. In my opinion, there's just a question of if they're going to, but I feel strongly enough that they can Uh, compared to other goalies in tandem situations that I would put them here in two names. Well, one name is going to be fairly obvious. One name is going to make you angry. And the other name is going to be, I think maybe a bit of a surprise. I'll start with the obvious name, Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg. Just make this happen already. He was third in the NHL and even strength save percentage last year. Mind you, he didn't have a huge sample size to go by. So we shouldn't necessarily be going by that, but everything looked good for him across the board. Interestingly enough, by the way, leading the league and even strength save percentage last year, Andrew Hammond in Ottawa on the strength of a very high shorthanded save percentage. And Brian Elliott was the other guy ahead of Hellebuck. Anyway, Winnipeg's a decent team. Connor Hellebuck's a great goalie. He is unquestionably tier three in my mind once he wins the starting job, hopefully out of training camp. This is interesting. So these are guys who you think will be in tier three, but there's just a bit more risk associated with them. You want to say that the number one goalies, but you can't say with 100% certainty that it'll happen because that's out of our hands. I could, okay, but assuming that Hellebuck does take the number one job, he's going to be a really viable goalie in fantasy. I see it. I like it. You're getting a lot of cheers and claps and pray icons in the chat room so i guess they agree with you as well okay that's probably the least risky of these three the next least risky the second least risky guy of these three steve mason Ah. here he is it's time to put out my boy steve mason who you know i was always down on until he won me a very competitive league and a late season trade when i acquired him and didn't expect any anyway whatever we have we have history me and steve mason (laughs) But last year, anyone who was making history with Steve Mason was sorely disappointed. He had just a 918 save percentage, so like a smidge above average, was losing starts to Michael Neuverth. But here's where I look at even strength save percentage and say, man, he really deserved better. And I just want to go over quickly, because I don't know if I have why we look at even strength save percentage, and I've alluded to it, is because all situation save percentage takes into account some small sample 
save percentages like shorthanded save percentage and power play save percentage that are small samples. So they're not necessarily reliable and they're not necessarily repeatable. Okay. So that's why I look at even strength save percentage. Steve Mason fourth in the entire league in even strength save percentage fourth in Mercad per 60. And that was no fluke. He's a top five guy in the three-year sample for both. There's no question in my mind that he's a number one goalie, whether Philly wants him or not is another question. But he is an incredible goalie when given the reins. Unfortunately, Philadelphia, well, they have a guy ready to challenge. Michael Neuverth is not chopped liver. And the team in front is, you know, so-so. So you can't really bump him up to tier two, even if he was the undisputed number one. But Steve Mason is my second least risky tier three pick of the risky guys. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, Steve Mason, like his numbers, like you say, I guess if I were to summarize what you're saying about like even strength save percentage versus regular save percentage, you're kind of saying he got a raw deal in that a lot of his goals he let in were on the shorthanded side. Like it was when Philadelphia was shorthanded and those are obviously harder shots to save. And I guess it makes sense to say that that's not really his fault. Like as much like, you know, it's a lot harder to save shots when your team is shorthanded and you're saying he did really well at even strength and just got hammered shorthanded. My question to you is, is Philadelphia the type of team that we can trust to maybe not take so many penalties next year? Because if they're going to keep taking penalties, then they're going to keep hammering Steve Mason's save percentage. So Steve Mason, I'm just uh, doing some sorting here. If you look at how much time he spent on the penalty kill, I mean, and some of it is a function of playing 54 games. A lot of the guys ahead of him played 65, 66. So amongst goalies who played about as many games as him, he probably saw about the fifth most penalty minutes. It's not a huge sample, though. There's only like eight guys who played about the same amount of games as him. So I don't know if it's a function, if it's a matter of him seeing fewer penalty kill situations or him just rebounding like he finished 52 out of 55 goalies who saw some kind of time on the penalty kill. And actually the guy below him was Connor Hellebuck. And the other guy just under Hellebuck is Andrew Hammond, who we talked about as having such a great even strength save percentage, but only had a raw 914. I'm digressing a little bit. The bottom line is I expect Steve Mason's penalty kill save percentage to bounce back regardless of whether he faces more or less time on the penalty kill. Okay, Brian, give us your third risky but potential tier three goalie. All right, here comes the controversy. I don't, I haven't really been able to keep an eye on the chat. I've just been so excited about what I'm talking about. Mark Andre Fleury is mm. my third tier three risky goalie. He had one of his better years last year, like one of the best years in a while, if you look at even strength save percentage, but it was all overshadowed by A, Matt Murray coming in during the playoffs because Fleury got concussed. And then Fleury came back probably before he should have and looked really weird and awkward in the net. And that also hurt his standing and erased a lot of the amazing things he did for Pittsburgh. Remember at the start of the year, they couldn't score. They stayed where they did in the standings because of Mark andre Fleury. That's why I think he still is starter material in the league. If it's for Pittsburgh or not, I don't know. But in my conversation with Nick a few days ago, he did raise some red flags about Matt Murray. And for me, that was enough to say, I think Fleury is going to win the starter's job. You know, he's only been so-so in his three-year sample and he is turning 32. So it's not like a sure deal for me, but I think that maybe Murray trying to get some more experience and feeling some extra pressure and being in this goalie battle, I feel like Marc-Andre Fleury's experience and talent might win out. 
Okay, that's a good. It's a good call. Like I think because he's the kind of guy. Maybe you don't want to depend on him as your number one goalie. But if you can get him late as your number two goalie, and then he ends up stealing that job in Pittsburgh, he could end up being like one of the top five most viable fantasy contributors. Like Pittsburgh's probably going to win a lot of games. I think it's worth taking that risk. And I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be taking Matt Murray ahead of Mark Andre Fleury, especially if you're in a keeper league. Even a shallow keeper league, I think people are looking at Murray as maybe one of these top goalies you have to grab because he'll carry your team forever. Let them maybe do that, and maybe you could just enjoy Marc-Andre Fleury and get that win next season. Also, Julian in the chat room is saying that maybe they'll play him a lot to up his trade value. I don't know about that, but you know that obviously one of these goalies is going to have to be available for Las Vegas in the expansion. So maybe it's possible that Pittsburgh will just want to give Fleury a lot of time so they could trade him for someone at the trade deadline. And again, usually teams who trade for someone like that are teams that are going for the playoffs or going for the Stanley Cup. So it would probably be a decent destination for him. Maybe he could go to Dallas. Dallas is just my team that I think people will get traded to at the trade deadline just because Niemi and Lettinen are so bad. And I guess we'll get to them at some point on this podcast. By the way, Brian, it's 8.55. Oh my gosh, we have so much more to go. But yeah, I think it's a good call. Dallas is obviously the best team that needs a goalie. So I see why you keep going there. I also agree with you that Matt Murray is likely to be the first Penguins goalie taken in most drafts. So I'm saying don't be that guy. I won't be that guy for sure. And here, it, it is getting late. I'm still good to go, though. We've got – it's more goalies board. It's a special night. Elon, how about we do this? How about you tell us who you had in Tier 3, point out the guys that I didn't have, and then I'll, we'll, we'll talk about the patrons, and then we'll head to Tier 4. Sounds good, man. Okay, we're giving a lot of people a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff here. Schmorkelisborg, again, it's not our regular episode. Normally, we have everything really well organized, exactly what we're going to talk about. Here, we're, like, going to talk about every single goalie. So, obviously, we're going a bit off the cuff. I hope you guys have been enjoying it. All right, I actually am looking at the guys who I had in my Tier 3, and now I'm kind of embarrassed, and I feel like they don't belong there. They should be in Tier <laughs> 4. I kind of, Because we're talking about goalies that are in great situations and above average team and goalie. And actually, the three guys who I had there, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe they're not above average teams. Maybe they're more like average teams. Maybe I'll just save that. I'll mention who they were when we get to Tier 4. But before we move forward, let's thank the patrons of Keeping Carlson because we just want to thank them. We love the patrons and we want to tell you thank you so much for supporting the show all throughout the summer. The people who stuck with us throughout the summer, we appreciate it so much. Kept us going through our summer series. We're very excited now that we're about to get into the regular season. And the Facebook group is heating up, Brian. There's been a lot of people asking us about keepers and about trades before the season starts. It's only going to get busier And, you know, the Facebook group is great, not only because Brian and I are there to answer questions, but also because you have all the smart patrons there. So I just wanted to mention, if that's something you might be interested in going into your fantasy hockey season, you could become a patron of Keeping Carlson, support the podcast, and get access to our patron-only Facebook group and our monthly patron cast, where you could come and join us for a show just like this, but where you decide what we do. So Brian and I don't have to hand ring about what to do next, because we just answer all of your questions. I'd like to welcome some of the people who just joined us to the patron program and who are discovering just how wonderful it can be. You know, a lot of the times you can ask us on Twitter anytime. We're happy to respond. You might get like 140 in character answer and that's about it. On the Facebook group, there are huge discussions about each question, about every single angle and it's worth joining. Uh, So thanks a lot for your support to Mike M, Adam L, Brandon W, Colin G, Dustin A, Garrett T, Wiki, Mike W, Peter F, Max F, Gnarly Crow, Edric J, Peter O, Jesse H, Alexis T, Benoit R, Peter K, Brian W, Brian A, 
Ryan G, Scott W, Tom J, Dro N. We're going to go with Chris K, Bruce the Moose, Liam <laughs> S, and Thomas P. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much. Matthew's saying we're getting closer to that nacho bar. Yeah, if we could get up to $20,000 a month <laughs> in support, we are going to open a craft beer and nachos bar, which I'm very excited about. We're not, also, we're oh, not sorry. there yet, but we're, we're on our way. We're getting there. Also, by the way, Nick H and Matthew W and Daniel V. Okay, yeah. By the way, if you become a new patron and you're cool with us saying your full name, like let us know. We're just not ever sure if you're comfortable with us, like totally saying your name on the podcast. All right, Brian, we got to move on. Again, thanks to the patrons. Check it out, keepingcarlson.com slash patron if you're interested. No more advertisements today, I promise. Though, remember, Puck Tees. Thank you for sending us these cool t-shirts. Pucktees.org, at Pucktees on Twitter. Okay. Uh, I, posted, I posted a tweet to my t-shirt, although you can see a nicer picture of it on the website. All okay. right. So let's get into tier four now. So I guess we're talking now, now that we've gone through goalies in great situations with above average teams and being above average goalies, I guess now we're getting into some goalies who one of those things is not above average. Like we're getting into where at least one of these things is average or below average. So let me know exactly if I'm right about how I'm defining your tier four and then tell me who's there. Yeah, I mean, it's all sort of relative. So it's hard to say. I, I have it listed here as guys who are number one goalies with two parts average between their team and their talent. But a lot of these guys probably fall a little bit below average on at least, actually they definitely do. So I think you characterized it better. I also have a tier four B. I know that's cheating, but before I even get to that, I just want to mention, we've mentioned 17 goalies or I have in my tiers so far. You probably want to try and grab one of those guys. And the next several tiers are tiers that you might rearrange based on which guy you got. So my tier four you might already be looking at guys in tier five and six. Instead, you might be like, oh, my goalies already are good enough that I don't need to worry about tier four. I'm going to look for a solid number three goalie lower at tier five or six. I don't care if all of tier four is gone. Yeah, I think one thing to consider is as you're drafting, you kind of have to come up with your strategy for the season a little bit. Like if you, let's say, take Corey Schneider as your top goalie, maybe you've made the decision at that point. I'm not going to go for wins. I want to go for save percentage. And if that's what you've decided, then maybe you just want to focus on getting not guys who are going to play a lot of games, but potentially hurt your save percentage. Maybe you'd rather get a tandem guy who has a better save percentage. And, you know, the inverse is true. If you've picked Pecorine, maybe at that point you're like, I'm probably going to have some bad days, but I'm going for wins. So I want to get the guys who are going to play a lot of games so yeah it is true brian that these tiers are not set in stone and it really does depend on what your strategy is moving forward but we're talking now about number one goalies who are at least average in something so who do you got all right tier four a Semyon varlamov cam talbot freddie anderson craig anderson robin laner brian elliott and i have a guy who you know i i feel like i want to move him down to tier five so i'm not going to say his name Wait a minute. Okay, that's funny because I see your list. All right, so first let's talk about who you talked about. So we've got guys here. These are goalies to me who are like for sure still number one goalies on their team with like very little competition, but we're not sure if like they're that good and also how good their teams are. Like Semin Varlamov here. How about I'll give you my comments on each one? Then you can sort of chime in and let me know what you think about them. Yeah, sure. But you've definitely identified the theme here is that they're all undisputed number one goalies on teams of questionable quality and some of their own individual quality might still be in question. So you go ahead. 
All right. Well, yeah. So, and we're, I'm going to tell you also which of these guys I actually originally had in my tier three. So this will be fun. Semyon Varlamov, I didn't have in my tier three. Varlamov is a guy who's just been going down in his save percentages and Colorado has not been helping him get wins. I do think he's an interesting pick here. Oh, also he's an injury concern. So there's a lot of red flags with Semyon Varlamov, but I think on his best day, he can be really good. Like you can get him and then have a few weeks where he like carries you. And don't forget like two seasons ago now, or maybe it's three seasons ago. He was one of the top fantasy goalies in the league. Colorado had insane shooting percentages and you know, all the average numbers were sort of like not what uh, they should have stayed at and they weren't sustainable and he fell and he's fallen hard last year. Not a great year for Varlamov. He only had 27 wins and a 914 save percentage. So below average, but who knows new coach. I know we all talk about how Patrick Waugh, wasn't the best at deciding like how to deploy his players. Maybe with the new coach, maybe Varlamov can turn things around a little bit. Maybe Colorado could turn things around a bit, get a bit more wins because they are a talented team. They have some good players. So I think Varlamov is like a sneaky guy that you could take here. I think tier four is the place for him. He's going to fall in your draft and he might be someone to target as like a number two goalie. I wouldn't be so disappointed if I had him as my number two. And then, all right, who did you have next here? Talbot. Talbot's very interesting. He's one of the guys actually that I did consider to be in my tier three. And the reason is I think he's an above average goalie. I think from what we've seen from him, and you could look at all of your charts and all of your three years, even strength, save percentage. Let me know where he ranks. Just looking at last year, Cam Talbot, where did he land in save percentage? I know that he was good. He was actually 22nd in the league in all situations, even strength, save percentage, 28th in even strength, save percentage. But I'm gonna I'm gonna spell you here by reminding everybody that he had some really rough starts to start the year, even a couple of rough ones to end the year. Anders Nielsen was good enough to outplay him for a chunk, but he really did get rolling at one point. Yeah, okay. So now that I'm looking at the splits, in October and November, Camp Talbot was a below 900 goalie. So that's like we talked about Pecorine not being good at like 908. This is like just horrible, horrible. If you're a below 900 goalie, you're like killing your fantasy owner's save percentage every game. But then he turned it around big time. December, January, he was 934 and 932. Also in March, he was 935. Like, so he had a really strong end to the year. I think he, you know, took some time. He had never been a starting goalie on a team before. I guess it took him some time to learn how to do it. At least that's how I'm shaping the narrative for myself. And I think Cam Talbot is a good goalie. I think above average. I'm pretty confident in him. And I think Edmonton could be like an average team. I know I think I said this on the last episode where I'm concerned to say that because we always think it and it never happens. But Edmonton, now they have Pulju Jarvie just to add to all the good you know, young players they have. I think they could be good. So I don't know. Cam Talbot, I'd be very happy to have as my second goalie. Let me put it that way. I don't know if he belongs in tier three. Maybe tier four is still the place for him, but I don't know if that will last going into next season. Like I think Varlamov will still be a tier four guy next year. I think Cam Talbot won't be. What Cam Talbot absolutely has going for him next year is that Jonas Gustafsson is his backup. And when has Jonas Gustafsson ever stolen an NHL job? Never. It's yeah. never happened. I think maybe on those like Vesta Toscala Leafs days, or I feel like somewhere in that era or shortly after Gustafsson was able to get the net for a little while for lack of a better option. Uh, he's not even an NHL backup. It's a very questionable choice by the Oilers to get a very weak backup goalie behind a number one who, you know, is still unproven like Elon. Yeah. He definitely had a good 40 game stretch. There's definitely some promise there. I uh, just, not 100% yet, but there's no doubt that he's going to be a strong volume starter and could have more endurance than Varlamov. 
Okay, yeah, and maybe we should speed up a little bit how we talk about these guys. But you, then you had Frederick Anderson. I think we've said a lot about him over the summer series. He's going to Toronto. We expect Toronto to be better. Anderson has held his own. He's been at least an average NHL goalie, but it's still not a great team, and maybe he's not completely proven. So I think I agree with you there. Tier 4 seems like a good place for him. Then you have Craig Anderson on Ottawa. He's a guy who I think is actually like a really good goalie. He gets injured all the time, which is frustrating. And Ottawa is one of those teams where it's hard to trust that he won't, they won't let in a lot of goals and blow up your save percentage. Like if you're in a league with saves, Craig Anderson is really good because Ottawa lets in a lot of shots. Maybe they'll be better next year, but I agree with you that I wouldn't take him above any of those guys you had in tier three. So I think this is a good spot for him, but I think Anderson a lot like Talbot could be the kind of guy who could give you sneaky value at this pick. And then I'll bring up the next guy you had in your list because I think that these three all kind of go together. Robin Leonard, I'm making the connection because the two Andersons are both named Anderson. And then you have Leonard who used to play on the same team as Craig Anderson. And now Leonard is the starter on Buffalo. You're higher on Leonard than I am. We talked about him actually on an episode a couple of weeks ago, so we don't need to go into him too much. But you think that he still has some upside there and Buffalo could be a good team. I think Leonard is just unproven and I think he's an injury risk. So I wouldn't be happy with him as my number two goalie personally. So of all the guys we've mentioned so far, just answering back to some of your points, Frederick Anderson is probably my favorite of the Varlamov, Talbot, Anderson, Anderson, Laner group. Uh, He's ranked the highest. He's the top 15 goalie and even strength save percentage, or at least he was last year. We haven't seen a huge sample from him, so we'll see what he does with a heavy workload. Craig Anderson, yeah, he's been okay. I used to like him as a sneaky above average goalie. Now he's more of like a sneaky average or below average goalie and I'm starting to wonder I'm getting in my own head here if Andrew Hammond is a risk leading the league and even starting save percentage last year only over 24 appearances but he was also just crushed by his shorthanded save percentage and I wonder what he might be able to do with more time there's Matt O'Connor and Binghamton also pushing I don't know I wonder if Anderson is riper than he's been in the past is is that ridiculous I think that you're pulling a darling that I did last year. (laughs) I think that Craig Craig Anderson will lose games, not because of his backup, but because his groin is going to get injured or he's going to cut his hand or whatever Craig Anderson does to get injured. So I'm not saying Andrew Hammond is going to like proactively take the job, but I'm just, I'm more open to the idea today than I ever have been. And Robin Lehner is just a wild card. He could be great. He might not be. We know he's going to get a lot of starts in Buffalo either way. So that's a reason to draft him. Elon, we haven't yet gotten to a guy in tier four who I'm actually starting to wonder, like this is the last guy I put in tier four and I'm wondering if he should have been in tier three. Brian Elliott, I want to get your thoughts on him. Do you want to go first or should I? No, I will. I was just about to say, I was saving the best for last in the list that you gave. I would say Elliott is the top guy that you put in your tier four. Calgary like was not that great, but in my opinion, the reason why Calgary was especially bad was because their goaltending was so bad. So I feel like it's so hard to decide how bad of a team Calgary is or how good of a team they are because Kari Ramo and who was that guy? Red O'Bara? Red, no, he was on Colorado. All right. Joni Ortio. They yeah, all have yeah. funny names. Yeah. Like they were just really bad and they cost them games, I think. Like these were guys who were having below 900 save percentages. Now they have Brian Elliott, a really good goalie, like one of the top goalies in save percentage for the last couple of seasons. Their defense seems really strong. Maybe they're a bit shallow on offense, but they still score their fair share of goals. Like Gojo and Monaghan, 
you know, they they score the points that two lines should be scoring. So I don't know. I think Elliott could be a sneaky pick. Plus the stuff I was saying before about how they play on a lot of off days, that makes him really valuable in fantasy just because he's going to get most of his starts. Like if you have three goalies, sometimes you have to sit one of them like on a busy Saturday, but Elliott's playing on a lot of Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sundays. So I think I would put Brian Elliott at the top of tier four or maybe in tier three. Yeah, really close to tier three. The off night thing is a really good consideration. I'll go to his numbers now. He was the top goalie in even strength save percentage last year. And he was top five in Mercad per 60. He was fourth. So top five does him injustice. Uh, And in the last three years, he's been top 10 in both. And you might say that, well, St. Louis is protecting him. And that's why he's done so well. But that's where Mercad per 60 minutes helps us and takes that context into account and saying, hey, he's gotten great D and team play in front of him in St. Louis, but you throw in an average goalie and he's going to do worse than Brian Elliott did. And you look at Jake Allen and you see that in practice. So Brian Elliott definitely at the top of tier four and maybe in tier three, it really depends. The X factor for me in Calgary is I don't know how much faith I have in Glenn Gulitsen behind the bench. I didn't have a lot in Bob Hartley they have a great decor to work with. Like you were saying, Brody, Giordano, Hamilton, just for starters. And they've got a solid line up front, but notice the singular there. So that'll be the challenge for Brian Elliott to see if the team in front of him can get him the wins that we would want to be able to expect from a tier three goalie. And for that reason, I sort of have him just at the top of tier four. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm convinced I'm moving him to tier three. Like I think Calgary, I've not, I've never been too concerned about Calgary scoring goals. Like they're not going to set the world on fire, but I think if they could get decent goaltending and I think Brian Elliott could provide it, I think he's going to get an, at least an average number of wins. And then I think his save percentage and role put him over the top for me, Brian. So I have a guy that I was considering to put in my tier three and then I got embarrassed and decided, no, maybe I'd have him in my tier four, but you haven't even mentioned him in your tier four So I'm going to say him now because also Simon just mentioned him in the chat room. Where's Peter Mrazek in this list? He is, I think at this point, it's funny because I actually listened to last year's Schmorkoli's board, like I said recently, and you were saying at the time that you still thought, and obviously I'm pointing out the times that you were wrong. You were right on so many things that I was wrong about, but you were saying that you thought Jimmy Howard still had the job in Detroit and he was going to be able to hold on to it. Mrazek tore that job out of his hands for most of the year. Howard did get starts at the end of the year, though, which maybe is why Mrazek is falling and why you're concerned. So I could see that. But at the end of the day, Mrazek's now played in four seasons overall. But really, he's played like two seasons, one where he got half the starts and last year where he played a whole bunch of times. He's a career 920 save percentage at this point. So in 94 games. So yeah, small sample size, but still, that's an above average save percentage. Top role on his team. And I would say Detroit, at the very least, is an average team, right? Like maybe they're not the for sure playoff team that they were for like 30 years before that. But I don't think they're like a for sure not playoff team. Like they still have a lot of young forwards. Their defense seems a little shallow, but I don't know. I think Peter Mrazek should definitely be in tier four, if not. Okay, I'm convinced not tier three. There's a bit of a red flag about how he ended last season, but I still think he should be in tier four. Tell me why I'm wrong. I don't know that you are. That's the thing. I had him in tier four. And when I was going down my list and I said, there's a guy whose name I'm not going to say yet because I'm not... Sure, I'm a believer. It's Peter Mrazek's name, and it's not his individual skill that's in question to me. I mean, he did have some rough patches last year, left himself susceptible to challenges by Jimmy Howard, of all people. But the team in front of him, I don't know if it's enough to convince me to take a risk on a guy who still might not be the number one, even though I think he deserves to be in it, and I think he will be too. I think maybe that's a little presumptuous of me to think that Jimmy Howard is going to mount another challenge, especially 
with both goalies being another year older. Peter Morezik is good. I, I just want to go through that first. He's ahead of Martin Jones in the last three years in similar minutes played. He's also ahead of Jonathan Quick and Craig Anderson and Devin Dubnik and Ben Bishop. This is all at even strength save percentage, although a lot of those goalies who aren't Martin Jones have played uh, several, many more minutes than Morezik has. Morezik actually compares fairly well to Brian Elliott, too. And last year, he was a top 15 guy in the metrics we're talking about this episode. The question is, what the heck is going on in Detroit? There seem to be so many weird situations, weird coaching decisions, weird slumps from stars. Yeah, they had that whole thing with Henrik Zetterberg in the locker room. And now they signed Danny DeKaiser to a huge contract. And all this just makes me feel like there's not a lot of really smart thinking going into the decisions that are being made for this team. And because of that, I'm just not sure that Detroit is as close to teams like Colorado and Edmonton and Ottawa and Toronto and Calgary as they are to teams like Columbus and Vancouver and Arizona. All right, fair. That's your reasoning. Morazic, definitely, if you could get him this late in the draft, like after all these goalies we've already mentioned, you might end up with a shining star. Like last year for the first half of the season, he was like one of the top goalies in fantasy. Like if you had him, you were rolling completely. Then like like we've talked about, he fell off. But I think he belongs here. Simon is saying, could Morazic not be like a poor man's Schneider? Well, I think that's a very clever comment. I think it's a really good take on it. And I feel like we're getting to a few guys who might be a poor man Schneider. They're just on much worse teams than Schneider, and they're not quite as good as Schneider. Also, I just feel like, Peter Morazic, give me a full season with a solid save percentage without inconsistency before I give him that label. Like, Schneider, come on. Like, he's been so good for so long, even on not great teams. So I'm not ready to say that yet. It's an interesting thing to say, but I just, I don't want to depend 100% on Morazic giving you like a really great save percentage. He did it for a while. I want to see it for a full season. Brian, there's one guy... We haven't said that last year was in tier three. Now we don't even have him in tier four. Two years ago in our first Schmorgolisborg episode, he was in tier two. So he's really fallen off. And I want to get your thoughts on him. I had him still in my tier four, but maybe like I'm just clinging to something that's falling away. But no love for Sergei Bobrovsky, the former Vesna Trophy winner. Like, yeah, last year was not great for sure. Only 15 wins, a 908 save percentage, his worst year by far in a long, long time. But at the same time, you know, before that, he was one of the top goalies in the league. He had 918 the year before that. So that's like at least above average. And before that, like 923. The year before that, 932. That was that Vesna year. So I just wonder if we're, I know that Bobrovsky has a lot of red flags. I wonder if last year, maybe his injuries uh, hurt him. And maybe now that he's had the summer to heal, maybe he'll be better next year. Like, I just don't see him as someone who's like a tier five guy. I would still, I don't know, because I, I guess we'll see on draft day if, if I could put my money where my mouth is. I'm not sure if I'd want him as my number two goalie, but definitely if I could get him as my number three goalie, that would be really exciting for me. Cause that's a guy who I think could still put up good save percentage numbers. I know your interview with Nick, like he didn't exactly agree. And he said that he thinks that Bobrovsky's, you know, on the tail end of his career, but he's only 27. Like, I guess it's these injuries. I don't know. Like why is Bobrovsky so far down from last year for you? Because of what I've seen in the last two seasons and three and injuries for sure. I mean, that incredible Vesna season he had was the lockout shortened year. He had a 932 over 38 games. Great. He followed it up with an above average season, 923 and 58 games. Still very good. And then followed that up with a 918, 
than a 908 last year. I want to see more than what I've seen. So far, he's had 100 games where he's played like an above average NHL goalie very convincingly. I think he might have also had a better team in front of him in those years, a better coach on the bench. There's not a lot to like about Columbus, and he's had those injury issues as well. I just don't know that he can carry that team or that they can carry him to a successful season. I actually think he might have his job in dispute with the way Jonas Corposalo performed. We'll get to his name a little later in this marathon s'more goalies board. But just to give the the hard numbers on Bobrovsky, he was just a bottom feeder in every important goaltending metric last year. And in the three-year sample now, that Vesna winning season was four years ago. So that's out of the sample. And he's not even a top 20 goalie in the NHL by the metrics we've been using on the show, even strengths A percentage and Merkad per 60. And for that reason, I just don't have a lot of faith in him to put up great or even average or even above average numbers on such a really crummy team in a rough situation. All right. That's fair. I'm convinced. I don't want All right. So, okay, let's get into the next tier already. So we, we're through four tiers. We're definitely through all the goalies that you want as your number one. We're getting maybe even past the guys you'd be comfortable with as your number two. But there's still a lot of goalies left in the league. So here are guys who we're not so confident in. Maybe, like, what do you have as your next tier? So before we move on to tier five for sure, which has Bobrovsky in it, there's tier four B <laughs> where you can try and swing for the fences. These are the guys that I think are either, they're definitely in tandem situations And I'm just not sure if they're going to win the job. And even if they do, I don't know how well they're going to perform. They are, just quickly, Antti Niemi and Kerry Lettinen. If you want to take a bet on one, go ahead. Uh, Niemi would be the guy I choose. But you're looking at some really frustrating weeks, likely with either one. You might get the wins. The rest of the stats might not look so good. Then you have in Long Island, you've got Thomas Grice and Yaroslav Halak. I think Grice is the better goalie at this point of the two. And I'm actually quite confident by the end of the year, he will be the number one goalie. But the New York Islanders have taken, I think, a bit of a step back. I don't know that they're on that same exciting trajectory that they had been for the two years prior to this, losing Ocposo, adding Ladd, and just not making any strides forward necessarily while teams around them might have been doing so. So I don't know if you can consider Grice as a number one for the New York Islanders being as good a thing for this upcoming season as it might have been last year. And the other guy who I think is in tough to win his tandem battle is Matt Murray. He's got a shot. That's why he's still in Tier 4B and not a lot lower. But I'm not sure that he's shown me enough to make me want to grab him or categorize him in any higher spot. All right, so Tier 4B here for you is interesting. It's like guys who, if they steal the job, they're in tandems. All these guys, Niemi, Lettinen, Grice, Halak, and Murray are in tandems. If they could steal the job, they could be higher tier guys. But unlike the ones you had in kind of like 3B, where you were confident they would win their jobs, these are guys where you don't have much confidence. That's fair. I think Thomas Grice, by the way, he like underrated, right? If you look at the, I've got here the last two years, even strength save percentage, he ranks ninth. Of all the goalies who have played, I guess, at least 2,500 minutes I've got here. But that's, like, really good. So, Grice there. Uh, I agree with you. I think he should steal the job on the Islanders. It's interesting, though, how you said that you think the Islanders maybe aren't going to be as good as we've been thinking of them for the past couple of years. I don't know about that. They still have John Tavares, but maybe their defense is a bit shallow. So, okay. But I like Thomas Grice. I don't know if I would want him as one of my top two goalies, but I'd be really happy to have him as a number three. I don't think I'd want Halak. I know that he's probably the higher paid goalie, and he'll still be given a chance. But either he'll lose the job because Grice is better or he'll lose the job just because he gets injured. 
Okay, so now I guess we've still got some number one goalies who we haven't mentioned. I assume that's going to be your tier five. Number one goalies who are going to get a lot of games, but just like aren't very good or their teams are just not really good, right? Yeah, exactly. So they, well, I'm just going to say the names and I think it'll give you a very good picture of who they are. So Sergei Bobrovsky, declining goalie, I think, on a very weak team. Ryan Miller, another declining goalie on a very weak team. Although we do have to give him... And another guy in Tier 5, Mike Smith, credit for having some ribs last year and being able to keep up a very high save percentage for a little while, but then not being able to keep up, maybe due in part to their bodies or just the team in front of them was wearing them down by making them work so hard. And Elon, did we formally put Peter Morozik in a tier yet? Because if not, this is where I have him amongst this group. It feels low, yeah. but again, it's more of a it's more of a team thing and it is a goalie thing. And I, I feel like the team differentiates him more from the other tiers than his individual performance does. No, I, I definitely don't have Mrazek here. I was considering putting Mrazek in my tier three. I'm definitely not putting him with the Cam Wards in tier five and Ryan Miller's of like not good teams and goalies who I'm not sure of. I think that Detroit is an okay team. And I think Mrazek is going to be at least an okay goalie. So I'll have him higher. I think another interesting name here of all of them you said is Mike Smith. I still think Mike Smith has something left in him to have some good games sometimes. I guess that's kind of what you said. And I also think that Arizona might have a somewhat competitive team next year. Is that crazy to say? Like, they picked up Goligoski on defense. They've got Max Domi, like, as a year with more experience. They have some other good young forwards. I don't know. I just have a feeling that Mike Smith might surprise. Of course, there's Louis Demang challenging. So maybe that's why you don't want to bet too much on Mike Smith, even if you're just going for saves, because Demang did have a good run last year. But it was when Mike Smith was injured. When Mike Smith came back, Demang really didn't get a shot to play many games. So I wouldn't be too fooled with Demang. And I still think Smith will be the number one in Arizona next year. So maybe I would consider him. He is tier five, I agree, but I would say at the top of this tier. And then at the bottom of the tier, definitely Cam Ward. I definitely wouldn't want to draft him. I think that he'll definitely lose his job before the year is over. Did you notice? I think I even omitted Cam Ward from my list because I just couldn't say his name. I- I'm so <laughs> tired of Cam Ward being considered a number one goalie and he just signed a new contract. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, Elon, what you mentioned about Mike Smith, maybe with Demang, that's the thing about this tier is that they're volume starters. But you'll notice in my next tier, I've got pretty much all their backups listed. In fact, I almost had Eddie Lack up in 4B with the tandems as like a Murray or Grice-like guy. And I feel like maybe he belonged there. He just had a really weak season last year because he was given coaching that didn't play to his strengths and the team didn't play to what normally worked for him. I'm a big believer in Eddie Lack, but the whole team and coaching staff has to buy in on what he's able to do. And uh, that didn't happen in Carolina yet, which is why... I sort of nudged him down, but he, he he could be a guy who's in 4B. So speaking of these backups, so Bobrovsky could be pushed by a tier six goalie, Corpusalo. Miller could be pushed by Markstrom. Ward could be pushed by Lack. Those are the three starter backup matches I have there. You'll notice I don't have Demang there just because I feel more strongly about the skill level at this point of Eddie Lack, Eunice Corpusalo, and Jacob Markstrom. I think they're all a little bit more likely to be average NHL starters when they do get the opportunity. My other tier six names, James Reimer, only down there because I think he is the number two to Roberto Luongo. Michael Neuverth, he had a great season last year. He could be a number one somewhere. I don't think it's going to be Philly. And I have Andre Pavlik in there just because 
he's probably the best volume guy you can get this low, according to my tiers. So he's only there because if the Jets continue to be ridiculous and not anoint Hellebuck as their number one, Pavlik is going to get starts as a function of that. He's going to get some wins. Okay, so I think the main controversy here in your tier six is going to be with Michael Neuverth. So I know that a lot of people are kind of banking on him to be like a 50-50 guy with Mason. You've already talked about Mason and the reasoning for why you put him so high. I believe you had Mason in your tier three, and now we're down at tier six. And so Neuverth, you're, you're going to scare a lot of people right now who maybe are deciding to keep Neuverth in a keeper league or you know draft them high. So do you really think that Neuverth is like not even in the group with Grice and Matt Murray. Like you think that Mason has so much more of a secure hold on the job than guys like, you know, Halak and well, I guess tier four B had Halak and Grice, but you know what I mean? Like why are they in different tiers, Grice and Neuverth? Okay. Point taken. And especially with the idea that was thrown out in our bonus episode about maybe Steve Mason is a rhythm goalie. Maybe he's someone who can't handle being pushed by another guy and that would definitely open the door for Neuwirth. He is one of the better low volume goalies. Like Thomas Grice is far and away the best goalie who has not been in a starting role at any point in the last three years. He rules that category. Neuwirth is down below Mrazek and well, Jones was a starter, but still has a pretty low games played total. Neuwirth is closer to like Jake Allen. Um, so I, I feel like he's, he's okay. He was fourth in the league last year in all situation save percentage, but take away a very good shorthanded save percentage. And he was 17th at even strength, not impressive, even lower in Mercad per 60. So for that reason, I'm not that high on Michael Neuverth being a legitimate challenger. The only thing I see going in his favor is that if it hurts Steve Mason's psyche to be that close to losing his number one job, and that could open the door. But if they both play, at their top level through the first half of the season, there's no question in my mind that Neuvert doesn't have a shot at that number one job. Okay, so that was tier six. Number twos you think have a chance to threaten for number one. You had Reimer, Lack, Neuvert, Corpusalo, Markstrom, and then Pavlik there just because you had to put Pavlik somewhere. Okay, what do we have left? So I guess we have just one more tier, right? Guys who are for sure backups, but maybe still maybe worth drafting like in a somewhat deep league. Is that what we're going to now? Yeah, we're looking at deep number twos, guys who you might even not realize that they switch teams in the offseason or which goalies they're backing up. But they have a number one that could be pushed and they might also be on a team that has a pretty good roster in front of them or the goalie themselves has a skill set that could be average or above average, which is hard to find at this point after all the above goalies have been taken. So just to summarize that quickly, we're looking at deep number two so you wouldn't expect a challenge but maybe they have what it takes to push for more playing time and give you good numbers based on their own skill level and the team in front of them all right so who do we got in this list so this list is is quite long it's really hard to predict but i'll give you my top five picks for goalies to push for more playing time Uh, carter hutton in st louis is my dark horse this year i actually like him to push jake allen a little more than you like calvin pickard to push Semyon Varlamov. I think he's been okay in the past, and I wonder with a strong St. Louis team in front of him just what he's able to do, although he was the beneficiary earlier in his career of some Barry Trotz coach teams as well, if I'm remembering correctly. Calvin Pickard is also in this category. Andre Vasilevsky is in this category. Jonas Enroth in Toronto. 
Maybe he can get a few more games over Frederick Anderson than we're anticipating and Louis Domingue in Arizona. Okay. Yeah, these are all guys who probably are going to be waiver wire guys for people in most leagues, unless they're like really deep leagues. But yeah, these are the kinds of guys that maybe you take for the Sunday back-to-back to try to win your matchup once it's announced that the backup is going to play. But some of these guys, I agree, might have the potential to steal some games. You know that I like Pickard a little bit maybe more than you. I think that Varlamov has shown himself to be weak and Pickard has shown himself to be good. So I think there is a job maybe waiting for Pickard, or at least he'll have the chance with a new coach to try to ingratiate himself. Carter Hutton, very interesting. I don't think we've ever brought him up as a guy who we thought was anything special. But I guess you're not 100% convinced by Jake Allen, like you said. So could happen. I'm curious to see if you'll be right on that. You'll sound really smart. I think I am trying to just sound really smart because his numbers aren't very good and aren't anything to indicate that we have a diamond in the rough. But uh, yeah, just throwing it out there. I I think it speaks more to my lack of faith in Jake Allen and the quality of St. Louis that any goalie who gets to see that crease probably has value the moment they step into it. Okay, and then there's one name missing from that list that I think belongs there, especially I would I'm surprised you didn't have this guy there just because you weren't too excited about the starting goalie. But you don't have Jonathan Bernier anywhere in your list. And he's the backup on Anaheim. And you were saying how you're not sure if John Gibson is as talented as people think. And you think maybe Anaheim might be making a mistake by putting their all of their eggs in the John Gibson basket. But they haven't really because Jonathan Bernier is a somewhat established NHL goalie. He's had some good years. He's had some really bad years, but that was during the time that he played for Toronto, who were brutal. And I know last year, Bernier really fell apart for a lot of the year, but he came back strong, or at least somewhat strong at the end of the year. And I think he should at least be in this list, along with guys like Louis Demange and Jonas Enroth. I think that Jonathan Bernier belongs with that group. I'll grant you that. I will. And he's also Randy Carlisle's former number one goalie, so maybe that works for him. I do feel like Anaheim made their choice between Anderson and Gibson, and they're really going to push forward with it. I don't think they acquired Jonathan Bernier just enter into another goaltending tandem situation. He is, he's a top 30 goalie over the last three years in the NHL. If you're looking at even strength save percentage, which isn't great for a starter is pretty decent for a backup situation, especially if you have a rookie facing a suddenly heavier workload than they've ever had in their career. So I I think it's a good point. I I, I could put him up there with those guys. The other guys that I had around Bernier in like my invisible tier seven, which is guys who I would put here for the sake of completion, of totality, of whatever word I'm looking for. But I don't believe in them quite as much as the guys I mentioned already. Scott Darling, Jonathan Bernier, Chad Johnson, Anders Nilsson in Buffalo. Chad Johnson's in Calgary, by the way. And then going even further, you've got Anton Kudobin in Boston, Darcy Kemper, Al Montoya in Montreal, if there's anything wrong with Price still. Mantis Armalis, he's currently the number two goalie on the depth chart in San Jose, but not necessarily the guy who will be the backup. And then you've got Antti Ranta in New York and Philip Grubauer in Washington, who will both be great if they get in the net. They're in great situations, but just don't know how often that's going to happen. All right, man, you've talked about a lot of goalies. Hey, one guy you actually left out, you were saying that you were so concerned about Mrazek not necessarily having the job. Surprised you didn't have Jimmy Howard in that list. But I think that's actually a Schmore Goalies tradition to always forget a Detroit goalie. <laughs> We've done it before. I think it was Jimmy Howard. We also forgot James Reimer one year. So just to be a total completist, that's the word I was looking for. Tier eight, the forget about him tier. Jimmy Howard, Jonas Gustafsson, Curtis McElhenney, Red O'Bara, Jeff Zatkoff, Keith Kincaid, Andrew Hammond, although maybe I'm not so sure 
I think I want to bump them up to one of those invisible tier sevens. Jean-Francois Baruby, Garrett Sparks, and Michael Hutchinson. And now I think we've named every goalie with a shot of seeing playing time in the NHL this year. Brian, we've named all the goalies. Hopefully the people listening to the show have enjoyed this. Thank you so much to everyone who joined us in the chat room. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for all of your comments and all of your help. And again, yeah, everyone who's stuck with us all throughout the summer, I hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you liked this Schmore Goalsburg episode. Definitely tweeted us at Keeping Carlson. Let us know where you think we got our tiers incorrect. We'd love to hear what you think. We, we could even retweet people who have an articulate argument for what we got wrong. And yeah, uh, Scott Wedgwood, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Scott Wedgwood is another goalie who could see a couple minutes in the NHL this year. Sorry, continue. So what, he's on New Jersey? Actually, I, I he was. I he, don't actually have in front of me if he still is. Yeah, he was on New Jersey. And then when Schneider got injured for a little bit, and then so it was Keith Kincaid that was the main guy, but then he didn't do so well. And then Wedgwood had a couple of good games. So that's so deep. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to quickly load. I, I don't know if he has a contract. I don't know what the situation is right I now. I wouldn't worry about it. You know what? I'll include it in the credits. Okay. How about this? Don't draft Scott Wedgwood. <laughs> but do have fun in your drafts. Good luck. I know a lot of people have drafts coming up. Like I said, you could tweet at us, ask any questions you have, or you could consider becoming a patron of Keeping Carlson, keepingcarlson.com slash patron to join our patron-only Facebook group. Also, by the way, we do have our Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fan Tracks League, which the deadline to sign up has passed, but we do still have a couple of open spots left. We have a wait list going, and we do have a couple spots. So if you're still interested in joining the couple, it might not be too late. So you could look into that. Keepingcarlson.com slash patron. I'll stop mentioning it. Brian, ugh, what a fun show. I'm so excited to get to the hockey season already. We've got the World Cup coming. And so we'll talk about that on the next couple of episodes, I guess, of if we're learning anything of fantasy relevance during that. But Asana. next week, Elon, is our annual look at what new stats are going to help me win my fantasy hockey pool, where we go over a whole list of the stats that we use to make our fantasy decisions that you might not consider or might be a little, I'm not going to say afraid of. You're not afraid of anything, I'm sure, but a little confused by, shall we say. We're going to run down and simplify and make very good sense of all those interesting numbers. Okay, so that'll be fun. That'll be the nerd episode where you have <laughs> you log in if you want to be one of those people like some of our patrons who want to generate very complex charts and spreadsheets to determine who to draft. You'll need to learn about all the interesting advanced stats, but it's also useful because we're probably going to be referencing a lot of these stats. I remember last year in that annual episode, you brought up IPP, and then we ended up talking about that all throughout the year. That was a really interesting stat. By the way, there was a question in the chat room. Who's LA's backup? Yeah, a lot of teams, we're not sure who the backup is. It's Jeff Zetkoff, the former backup for Pittsburgh. So fun He fact. was grading game one in the playoffs last year. Outstanding. Was he? Yeah, before he gave the net to Murray, he was actually the guy. But was he outstanding? He had an amazing game one. I think it was game one, if I'm remembering right. I, he was lauded everywhere. I think I tweeted about it. It was such a good start. But then I think he started falling apart in the second game. And I can't remember if he even got in at all for the third game. And then it was Matt Murray time. Yeah, it should have been Matt Murray time the whole time. Anyways, okay, we're definitely rambling. So let's cue the outro music. And Brian, why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right, this episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons. It was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Corsica, Hockey Analysis, Hockey Reference, Hockey Database, Ian Fleming's Blogspot site that we mentioned on the show on the bonus episode last week, Elite Prospects, Fantrax, and Roto World. Thanks, Brian. This has been so much fun. Thanks again to the fine people at Puck Tees for these super cool shirts. 
And we will be back with another episode next week about fancy stats. Until then, keep on keeping Carl Sun. <laughs>